going good i'm just uh sitting here on my well new ish bed oh we got a new bed frame which is fun Ooh. and it's funny because it's like lower to the ground which oh. i like oh yeah um and i think all of the cats like it too because even when like Murphy always slept on the bed. Like she just wouldn't leave the bed all day long. She's such a little diva. But now, like all of them are all the time on the bed. <laughs> so I think they're all kind of like, oh, I like this. Easier to get on. Yeah, and it's a little bit more. Well, actually, I should tell the whole story because it involves cats from the beginning to the end. Oh, okay. Um, oh my, what was that? I don't know. What was that? It sounded like a pterodactyl. <laughs> oh (laughs) weird okay mystery pterodactyl (laughs) oh mystery pterodactyl um so i guess it was last week it was like last uh, i don't know um (laughs) oh god excuse me sorry i'm a little bit sick i'm recovering Oh, oh no so yeah it was last week and i I had just gotten sick so I was like laying around and um we knew that the cats our last bed was like pretty high mm. and so we knew the cats had been like messing with the box spring like underneath the box spring oh yeah but we didn't know how bad it was and one night in particular I was just like dead to the world and John actually looked under the bed and was like oh fuck like all of the boards were broken almost and like franklin and shadow had like clawed out like every single piece there's like one little place where the fabric of the bottom of the box spring was like still hanging on Mm. but like the rest Mm -hmm. of it was just like in shreds (laughs) until like all of the like springs were showing and they were like crawling up and around them and we're like okay that's dangerous i guess so we had to spend all night this night that like I was super sick and the cats were like so unhappy about it but we were like you caused this (laughs) (laughs) so we had to spend all night like disassembling our bed and then like slept on the floor and we like put all of our stuff out you know I had to call like the bulky service pickup and then we're like oh god and then had to be like really protective about the bed too because the bed the mattress is new so the mattress was on the floor and the uh, cats were like oh and we were like no do not yeah, do not do anything yeah, weird absolutely not. so but thankfully uh not to shout out amazon because they're terrible but i still use them all the time and love them yeah, I'm sure oh, absolutely oh i ordered a bed frame on amazon and it came in like two days yeah. and it's just like is, oh the most convenient the fold out kind no it wasn't an assemble kind but it's so cool because it's like it's uh metal so it's like metal and wood 
um and the slats are just like the like bottom of it it doesn't need a box spring and the like wood slats on the bottom are so much closer together than our last one. Oh, okay so we're pretty confident that the cats are not going to be able to fuck with this one and it's lower so like really only shadow can get underneath the other two are like nah, i don't really care yeah at least so far they'll probably end up carrying it a little bit but yeah <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah it's pretty great so yeah i did wait did you get a fold out one I did get a fold-out one. I ordered one online when I was getting uh-huh. my box spring because I'm one person. And so I was like, well, I'm not – there's, like, no way in hell I'm getting a mattress or a box spring into my apartment by myself and set up. Right. Um, so I got the, like, rolled-up mattress in a box. Oh, well, that's what – yeah, no, we had the um, – Casper, the mattress was a roll-out one, which was awesome. Yeah, but my box spring is, a, like, a fold-out kind oh so it's like it's like a pop-up box spring (laughs) oh that's cool yeah it's like a metal and i ordered i went even like one step farther down the totem pole in terms of like terrible organizations and companies i ordered mine from walmart (laughs) oh i know terrible but so convenient so convenient because i just went and picked it up i didn't even have to like wait for delivery i just like ordered it and then like two hours later went and picked it up (laughs) that's so nice yeah and it was still a little unwieldy because it was you know like half it was flat but it was still the size of like half a mattress so it was yeah still tricky but I managed it is fucking heavy this bed frame because when it was delivered it was delivered in um what I think was like a rental truck like I think the truck outside that I saw that was like an enterprise rental truck was the one that delivered I could be wrong but I thought that mm-hmm. and it was two guys with like the back strap like you know the <laughs> lifting stuff and then I opened the door and they just looked at me and I was like oh are, hi I this is my bed frame and they were like yeah can we bring it like we're bringing it in and I was like oh okay you can just leave it and they were like no we can't <laughs> <laughs> they were like no you cannot bring this in and I was like oh okay so I like you know, like, directed them, but, like, had them lay it down in this, like, one spot and, like, had to watch for the cats to, like, make sure they didn't run outside. And then they dropped it, and they, the guys, as they were leaving, were, like, it's real, like, looked at me purposefully, and were, like, it's really heavy. And I was, like, okay, I get it. And then they left, and I tried to move it into the bedroom, and I was, like, oh, yeah, they're right. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> so i had to like disassemble it piece by piece and bring it into the bedroom to build it but it was pretty easy to build that's good nice so uh that was a boring house corner (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) and then i got like really into the idea because we like have to update like everything well we don't have to we like decided because like things were falling apart so we're like we're gonna update everything just like slowly throughout the like year or whatever oh and that now we're like you know spiraling and are like you know deciding that we need everything new now um and so I spiraled and I I don't know why I decided to start with because we have like actual bookshelves that are falling apart so I should have gone that route first but then I was like wait, I'm going to order a night lamp, a nightstand lamp to go with the bed frame. And it's going to be one of those that has like the little USB plugins. Like oh, have in hotels. Yeah. So I ordered one of those too. And I was like, Oh my God, I love it so much. 
I'm going to be a fancy bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm very committed to being a fancy bitch until I look at my bank account and then I'm like, I have to be a poor bitch again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was super committed to being a fancy bitch when I moved into this apartment. I was like, I'm going to decorate. Everything's going to be so cute. I'm so excited. And then I realized that moving and like starting off with like first and last month's rent and security deposits oh, with like pet yeah. deposits and all that I was like um and I'm like barely being a thrift store bitch <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I think about the fact that I have an extra like like I own myself an extra like what is it I, I don't even know almost two thousand dollars that like my apartment just has <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm like that's just money that they have that is my money that's just they're holding it <laughs> they're just holding it for you just in case <laughs> I mean granted we have three cats so they're probably not going to give it back but <laughs> yeah actually you should feel like a fancy bitch because Jessica and I were just talking about your place and Jessica Jessica said the words Julia's apartment is so nice it's your apartment and my apartment combined is julia's apartment (laughs) really yeah that's really funny i mean granted i've never been to either of your apartments (laughs) so i don't know she was probably just saying size wise i think yeah oh size wise it is it's it's a decent sized apartment i mean it is a two-bedroom so i will give it that it is and it is in baltimore (laughs) and it is in baltimore but it's just like it's really funny because i i feel like baltimore is like it's a renter's market and so like a lot of places are like full of college students who like don't care where they live because they're like whatever I'm only gonna be here for a year or like a couple years or like whatever I do totally get that but there's something about the term renter's market that my brain was like don't listen it just like violently was like turn off turn off turn off (laughs) I hate this word I never want to hear it (laughs) oh my god speaking of a renter's market we have a little rental housing situation. We inadvertently have a great segue into the book, actually. Oh, yeah. So that's, you, that's true. Quillerin is having rental issues. <laughs> yeah, because, and why is he having rental issues, Julia? Because he doesn't have money. Have money yet. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, surprise. Yeah. We're back we, in time. <laughs> we're back in time. Um, also, this is Paranormal Captivity. Welcome. Welcome. Where we talk about our lives before we talk about our actual content. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Uh, Although we do try to weave cats into that. Into, I mean, because our entire lives are about cats. Our lives are cats. That's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, guys, because um, so we finished uh, The Cat Who Wasn't There last week. And we were trying to decide what to do. We still have a few, like, surprise books we might do in the future. One of them got waylaid by a library hold. We're working on it. But we did decide because Yum Yum, poor Yum Yum got kidnapped last book. That was very traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided to do a little dive back into Yum Yum's origin story. Yeah, we got Coco's origin story. And then we were concerned about Polly. So we put put yum yum on hold but we're back to it yeah yeah we're back to the origin stories the uh um yeah cat superhero origin stories if you will and uh this is the cat who ate danish modern yeah i don't know what danish modern is but i'm excited to find out 
Yeah. I mean, I would assume it's an interior design term that's maybe a play on like pastries. <laughs> um, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um, so we, yeah, we have gone back in time. This is now the, we've gone back to the second book. So the first book was A Cat Who Could Read Backwards. Um, and that was Coco's origin story where, and the first book of the entire series. Um, so if you remember, that's where the, it was in the art world and there was a, an, a crazy um, art critic for the Daily Flexion. Quilleran had just gotten his job at the Daily Flexion. And he had moved into the same building as this art critic turned murderer. Murder. Murder. Murderer. He was murdered. But he, oh, right. But he was planning a murder. Oh, but yeah. Okay. He was both. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait, I thought. I thought he died. (laughs) Yes. He was victim and (laughs) victee. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's how Quillerin got Coco. Is that he belonged? Coco um, was living in the upstairs apartment with this like really fancy art critic, and then the art critic, yeah, uh, planned some murders and then died. So uh, by whose hands we don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That was the one where they were like, oh, reveal it was this person, and we were like, who the fuck is that person? <laughs> Do we know this guy? <laughs> <laughs> but we will stand Quillerin and Coco's relationship out of this. <laughs> we stand it. I'm going to make yeah. that happen. I'm yeah. trying to learn how to use that term. But I don't, I don't know that term. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, well, we'll talk later. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this is the second book now. Um, this is after. it. It, it, like, picks up pretty much, like, maybe like a few months I think after the first book kind of as the books these books tend to do it seems to kind yeah of... I think I think it said that um in the first chapter somewhere I think I think it said that he had his new friend for about six months now so oh that's right yeah good like good memory later. yeah yeah and it gives a little cute snapshot so Quillerin is still in the same apartment um they don't say what's happened to the uh apartment above Quillerin I assume it's still just empty um, but we do get a little bit later in, in this segment, we read, uh, chapters one through five, uh, so up mm-hmm. to six. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, we do get from Quillerin that he actually does have to move out of, of this apartment because, um, it's being torn down. Is that what's happening or it's being sold? Yeah. I think he said it was being turned into a parking structure or a parking oh, lot or something perfect. yeah he's definitely getting evicted like this is not his choice to leave <laughs> right yeah because Quillerin has no money right now well he he had a phrase that I feel like I have said to myself numerous times which was um okay I only just need to like start saving up like I feel like I've had to like start <laughs> saving talk with myself so many times um and then I, you know and then I can you know move or like do whatever he you know says he needs to do but the, in this case it was move um so yeah so he has to do that we do get some like really cute snapshots at the beginning of Quillerin and Coco's life together now they seem to be having a jolly old time um they play they still play I think they play the dictionary game in the last uh the book before in um uh the cat who could read backwards yeah I can't remember where that dictionary game 
came in. I know he had like some fun things that he started to do with Coco before Coco was his, but he also has like some fun word games in other books too. Right. Yeah, I know that's totally right. And I know that he played Scrabble with him in mm-hmm. one book too. Yeah. But this was this was kind of a funny game where like him and Coco would sit down, there'd be a dictionary out and he would let Coco like claw through the dictionary and if it landed on a word that Quillerin knew, then Quillerin got a point. And if it landed on a word that he didn't know, then Coco got a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so far it sounds like Quillerin's winning, but I know in like future books, Coco is quite the master of this game. Yeah, and there has so far at least been one time where all of the words seem to be kind of eerily related to what happens next, but we'll get to oh, that yeah. in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Coco showing his showing his skill early. Yeah, his little premonitions. Yeah. Um, so this book starts, well, yeah, it starts, like we said, in, in uh, Quillerin's apartment with his little home life with Coco. But his it's sad also, bachelor life. I know, his sad bachelor life. I think that was, like, literally one of the first sentences of the book is, like... Yeah, his sad bachelor life. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it painted, she did such a good job of, like, painting a picture of, like, him sitting down to eat breakfast yes and she like described everything so well i like actually had like a vision of like what his apartment looks like and like him like kind of hunched over a like uh-huh. instant like a chunky instant coffee and like a stale donut with coco like loafing like sitting like a little bread loaf on the corner of the table yeah i agree there's something about this book i i mean i I don't mean to sound shocked every time I like one of these books because I genuinely <laughs> love all of them. But like, I thought there's something about the writing of this one that I think is extra good. Yeah. I mean, uh, we are back in time. So it is like quite a bit more sexist than like the 90s books that we've been that's reading. True. Like you definitely get a sense that it's like pretty early. That is true. But it's not, it's still somehow not quite as bad as the first one, I feel like yeah i think i'm just getting used to it that's true oh god we're getting desensitized oh no there is that's true to counteract my own insensitivity um there is there have been numerous points where i think the term womanless is even thrown around like quillerin is like actively like looking for someone but then like you know makes fun of the people that are yeah which I never really like that setup like that's happened a couple different times of like oh this woman's too over eager and like she clearly likes him and he doesn't like her like that happened a little mm-hmm. with Melinda last book too granted she was a murderer but yeah well, <laughs> I mean yeah, this side. <laughs> I feel like this one because he's at a newspaper. There are quite a few women who are like too quote-unquote bossy for him. Yeah, exactly. Which like that's as we know, stupid. <laughs> yeah, not not my favorite descriptor of anyone, much less women in power. Right. No, exactly. They don't actually mean bossy. They just mean not not acting in what they <laughs> they expect. just they just mean confident. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um. But, oh, yeah, so to the newspaper then, um, Quillerin, we do have, you know, have the scene of Quillerin going into the Flexion and, like, they she sets it up really well because he is trying to go in this specific morning to uh, ask for a different beat. He's still in the art world and he is not super happy about it and he thinks that he's proven himself and he's at, he wants uh, to be in the... Um, what is it the like daily daily features kind of where arch is i think arch is the editor of the daily features 
Well, he has like a, he has his crime background, so I think he wants to do something a little bit more crimey. Well, yeah, yeah. I think ideally he would, but I think he also knows that. Because remember, he said that he was promised the editor Harold that they call Percy behind his back for some reason. I didn't really get that. Yeah, um, I didn't get that either. But I think Percy had told him that when I think he knows that he can't have a position in the crime department because I think there's only one crime reporter and that guy is just there still. So I think he knows he can't have that. But I think he was offered or Percy told him that when um, a desk opens up in the like general news, I don't know the terms. I should know the terms, but I don't Uh, (laughs) in like the general interest or whatever it is that, um, he would give that job to Quillerin. And I think he's Quillerin's hoping that it comes with a raise too, so that he can start saving so that he can move. Um, mm-hmm. But instead, what he gets, what does he get, Julia? Well, he walks in and uh, I think so at breakfast, he was chatting with Coco to back <laughs> it up a little bit. And he, he was saying that um, he he was like listing all of the things that he didn't have. He was like, "I'm womanless and apartmentless and penniless." Oh right, and like, <laughs> and if <laughs> and if I ask for this, I might be jobless. So he walks in, kind of like, I think, still debating a little bit about whether he should bring it up or not. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And yeah. when he gets on the elevator, he passes a bunch of ladies coming from the women's department because in this book, there's still a women's department. <laughs> right. Of newspapers because oh, God. news is gendered. <laughs> yes, of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. But anyway, he pass- he passes a bunch of ladies coming out of the elevator from the women's department and they kind of like they're all kind of like eyeing him and one of them makes a snide comment about like some people are just so lucky and he's like, Okay, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he he goes up and apparently he's been assigned something without him even knowing about it percy slash harold yeah that was so weird there are a couple comments where like quillerin calls him percy in like his own inner monologue and then calls him harold to his face and then you get the description like right after that of like we only call him percy behind his back and it's like why (laughs) yeah i i don't think i get that one either but anyway um Percy Harold calls him into his office and was like, oh, Quillerin, I should have told you about this earlier. This has been in the works for a while. We're actually going to have, we're going to start, like, a new color copy magazine that's, like, special edition running for, I think it's a month. That's, like, a trial version. Um, yeah, it's like a, it's basically like an ad, like a way to sell ads, I think. Because they're, like, trying yeah. to their ad revenue. Yeah, so Quillerin's like, okay, great, you know, like, this could mean a raise, this is perfect, you know, yeah. like, gen- general interest, and the guy's like, no, interior design. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So Quillerin's stuck, stuck in the art world, sort of. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure which, I think I'd honestly rather be in the art world, art world than I would in interior design. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know, I'm... I, I could be into interior design. I guess I could. I just, it all seems so boring to me, which is not <laughs> actually Quillerin's main objective. Quillerin's main objective is also very gendered, which is like, it's oh, true. everyone's going to laugh at me. This is such a, and he truly flat out right at the beginning 
as soon as he, it's you know revealed to him that it's interior design um he says straight to percy wouldn't a woman be better for this job and instead of you know any actual like no anyone should be able to do this job or like anyone can do this job the answer is no we want to veer away from a woman's angle because we want men to be more interested in interior design or something like that they want to like market their ads also oh my god sorry murphy i have the door closed here and murphy is like like swiping her paw underneath in the most like dramatic <laughs> little fashion it's so funny Muffle. but yeah the answer is like we don't want a woman's angle we want a man's angle because they're like marketing more to men i think no i think it was because women can only market to women but men can market to both oh fuck that (laughs) i think he was saying he wants he wanted to appeal to the the wider general audience oh my god yeah so so we're we're back in the 70s guys Oof. Yeah, I take it back. Maybe this one isn't any better than the other ones. I somehow missed that. I was, like, already offended by it, but I didn't get the full, like, heaviness of why. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But anyway, Quillerin's, <laughs> like, very unexcited about it until he's told that he should have started yesterday because they're on a very strict deadline and all of a sudden he's like oh my god it's mine (laughs) yeah he gets super competitive they play all the right cards with him because they also tell him that um so basically this bid from whatever marketing department of whatever big company or whatever ads are supposed to be like funneling down through this apparently there it's not set yet and the morning rampage if you'll remember that shifty newspaper from uh, way back in the day I don't really mean Shifty in any way other than they all hate it there's like a rivalry between the Daily Flexion <laughs> and the Morning Rampage and of course each of them thinks the other one is like just the worst thing possible and uh, mm-hmm. apparently the, the Morning Rampage is also doing a very similar uh, magazine that they've already started working on and like already have a deadline for Uh, or like a publishing date for and so the daily flexion is like oh my god we have to do this like immediately Quillerin you have to start this like yeah yesterday Um, and so Quillerin's like all little competitive streak comes out and he's like oh well if you put it that way I'll put aside any qualms I have about this womanly beat (laughs) (laughs) yeah he also gets paired up with a uh, lady reporter sort of well kind of yeah, so uh, Percy also gives him Fran someone? Unger. Yes. Yeah, so he also gets Fran to work with. He gets paired up with uh, this lady reporter who we find out later who has, she's been like after him for quite some time. Yeah, it's funny. We don't really, we kind of see her as being like a little, you know, over i mean but it doesn't really feel like anything other than like a reporter like i think of all reporters as like pushing boundaries and like trying to see what they can get like it only really feels like she's trying to like she clearly is really interested in the magazine and so she's trying to give quiller and ideas also because the editor like literally told her to do that and so she like starts yeah. giving him ideas because Quillerin. She was in the meeting when Quillerin was like, "Isn't this a woman's job? I don't want to do this. I don't know anything about it." And they were like, "Well, talk to Fran." And then he's like, "No, this is mine." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Actually, no." They also we should talk about that for a minute because 
that whole thing I thought was so stupid when um because this has happened twice now that Quillerin's been like I don't know anything about the art world I don't know anything about the interior design world why do you want me to do this and the answer both times is that um knowledge of a subject is sometimes a hindrance to reporters because if you come in with like a specific angle already and I was like I think that's like what you learn not to do in journalism is come at it from like specific angles to try to be as like unbiased as possible and like how could knowledge on a subject ever hurt when you're writing about the thing yeah for sure because I mean I'd can't really talk about interior design i mean you can kind of see when he goes to talk to interior designers they do have to give him a whole lot of like and this is what you call this and when you write it this is what you call like these are the specific words whereas you know someone with background knowledge would automatically have that right exactly but like even in my my own personal work i do not talk to reporters because i am not that high up (laughs) in my organization but, like, my my director talks to reporters all the time, and most of the time they, like, don't really know what the programs are that we're working with. They just know that there's, like, a slight controversy, controversy about it, and it, like, deals with education systems and whatever. So, like, half the time we have to spend the first, like, 15 minutes talking about, like, the background of the school lunch program and it's like this has nothing to do like we just have to tell you this so that you actually understand what's going on they do their homework but like uh, I mean you still can't like really understand it fully unless you have like an actual background in it yeah I guess I get that but I also yeah I just feel like that's bad form like I feel like you should yeah I mean definitely obviously asking questions is like a huge part of reporting but it also feels like to me like you should do enough homework to at least know you should do like research enough to be to talk knowledgeably on a subject like Quillerin's not talking knowledgeably on a subject he's literally letting his subjects tell him how to speak about their own um industry which I feel like is I mean this this guy David like that um Quillerin meets who's one of the biggest interior decorators in the in the area apparently is he seems so far um pretty like nice and kind to Quillerin but it's also like as a reporter too it seems like you shouldn't be relying on people to be to tell you things like that like it should be also just in the way that like I don't know I'm granted in all these books and I feel like reporters too should be a little bit more like suspicious of people I guess like this guy could just have his own like lingo and then it could show in the in the reporting that like this guy Quillerin has only spoken to this one interior decorator and then that doesn't make him look very good yeah no for sure and like same in real life obviously we have our own take on these programs and we want people to do specific things like we're not going to tell you both sides of the story right exactly (laughs) yeah like you guys have an agenda david like i'm suspicious of david like like i think he totally has an agenda yeah like quillerin's kind of fun it seems to me at this point quillerin's falling a little bit into his trappy trap i think i think so too i'm a little bit suspicious of him also Okay, sorry. End of my rant on journalistic ethics, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, we also haven't. (laughs) We we also dove right into like not explaining what happens next when we talk about talking about the interior design. So anyway, Quillerin takes the job. Obviously, he's very excited about it now, 
and his first stop is um i can't remember their names but and when i read it together i was like wait luke skywalker oh yeah (laughs) it's like in stall stall weather yeah it looked very much like luke skywalker in the book yeah (laughs) in printed form so um skywalker enterprises is where he ends up (laughs) yes yes um no so david like yeah i would assume that's how you say that yeah is his first i can't remember who pointed him in that direction it might have been fran but he he gets pointed to like these specific uh designers to go talk to you first so that is his, his first stop yeah and so he goes to their um showroom he sets up um oh i don't know that he even sets up a time i think he just goes and he walks in and is like i'm a newspaper man i need to talk to the owners and so the first guy that comes out is skywalker um, (laughs) and he is very un-skywalker like and he's not he's just not very like actually the conversation they have is really funny because quillerin's trying to sort of get into first get on his good side but also like understand interior design and so he's like hey, tell me about, like, this, you know, this over here. What is this? And the guy's like, that's a desk. And Quillerin's like, okay, uh, what about this color over here? What's that? And he's like, blue. Like, he's very, like... <laughs> like, what's what's popular these days? What's selling everything? Right, yeah. It's kind of like a surly team that you're like, how is, how is school? And they're like, good. Fine. <laughs> What'd you learn? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he obviously, like, either doesn't know what he's talking about or just like is not interested in talking to reporters and I or think it's like a little bit of both yeah yeah, yeah. so then David like appears and he is like very charismatic he's walking a woman out that he basically has sold like you know all this stuff to and he is saying like as she, as she's walking out he's like well just tell your husband like this couch isn't going to cost any more than his new car or whatever and it's like well that's expensive fucking couch <laughs> that's one one way to sell it <laughs> yeah i'm not sure that's like a positive like yeah. how would but i mean maybe to i have never been rich but maybe it is to rich people like oh <laughs> just like a car's worth they're like oh that must mean that it's in high quality or whatever yeah um so yeah we do get the impression that a this guy's a really good salesman and b that this is like a really high-end boutique in like a high-end world that we're about to go into. Mm-hmm. A lot of judgment. Yeah, true. A lot of judgment. Yeah. But he is very uh, personable. And so when Quillerin makes all these faux pas in their first conversation, he doesn't get reprimanded too harshly. Yeah. No, only a little harshly. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> He does do it in, like, a way that feels very, like, it seems nice on the surface, but I wonder if there was, like, like, I kind of read it with, like, a little bit of a mean girl's tone of, like. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's, like, harsh judgment, but he's such a good salesperson, it would never come off that way. Right, yes, exactly, yes, that it's, like, oh, I know this thing and you don't, and I love that I know it and you don't, and I'm going to correct you, and I'm going to seem nice about it, and maybe you're going to like it, but also I'm a little bit being a mean girl. Yeah um but overall Quillerin does like him a lot they kind of strike up a a friendship and David like immediately is into the idea he hates the title so Quillerin's magazine's title is called Gracious Abodes (laughs) (laughs) which is great Uh um 
and uh, obviously Quillerin hates. And also so does David like. He hates the name, but he loves the idea of having a magazine about his industry. He thinks that's really going to help the interior decorating of the area. And so he's like really immediately helpful and is um, helps Quillerin set up his first uh, so far that we've seen. He also offers to do many others set up um, like profiles, like houses to profile that he has worked on. And the first one of that, of that series is the Tate House. Yes, in the muddy swamp waters of some neighborhood that sounds terrible. I know. I kind of love her like cheeky naming that she does because they have a little conversation about how, yeah, the, the muddy, yeah, muddy swamp. I think it's called. Yeah. But it's actually like a really, this is like where all the really rich people live. Mm-hmm. And uh, him, Quillerin and Odd Bunsen, who returns as the photographer. So Quillerin sets up a time, David like with Quillerin sets up a time for Quillerin and Odd Bunsen to come in and uh, sort of profile the whole house and interview the owners and take pictures of everything. And so sorry, as- there's a, dirt bike in my backyard i'm gonna (laughs) close this window there's a dirt bike there's like a guy on like a little mopedy dirt bike thing being really loud i don't know if you could hear it oh i actually couldn't but i also i have still my i think my sinuses are still kind of clogged up so i think my maybe i can't hear actually if we're taking a quick break i might go blow my nose real quick okay me too okay great Is that Mushu? That's Mushu. Oh, good little headbutt, little headbutt sound. Oh, <laughs> I heard some purrs too. I thought, yeah, he is purring. You want to purr louder, buddy? Oh, buddy, little guy. Mushu, what good purrs you have? <laughs> yeah, good boy. Yeah, I'm still tuniless, so Mushu has been Aww. a happy cat for the past month. Oh. <laughs> But I'm sure Chuni's pretty happy and roaming the Virginia backwoods. Yeah, no, for sure. He's been probably having a ball back there. <laughs> Seeing all the ghosts that might be in, in uh, our house. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> definitely ghost hunting. Definitely mouse hunting. Maybe even mouse ghost hunting. Oh, interesting combo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've had cats our whole lives. There are bound to be some rodent ghosts in that house. Oh, God, that is true. We have talked on here about the number of things that have been dropped, especially on Julia's bed and her <laughs> step. And... Um, so where were we? Oh, yes. So Odd and Quillerin <clears throat> have their you know little conversation. They think it's really funny. Um, well, Odd is like, the crankiest of all humans if we thought Quillerin was cranky Odd (laughs) is cranky to the 10th degree yeah and uh he just immediately is as they're going out he like doesn't want to do this from the beginning kind of like Quillerin but doesn't have the turnaround about it and is like oh what a stupid like beat that I'm doing like uh, he's like very much the like they describe him as not necessarily an ambulance chaser, but he's the one that always takes pictures of, like, the action things that are happening. And he's like, I have to go take pictures of what? Some chairs and jade? Well, that's the other thing. This family, the Tate family, collects jade. 
mm-hmm. as in like the stone. Mm-hmm. So that's supposed to be part of the the feature as well. And so they're talking about Muddy Swamp as a name for a neighborhood. And it's like, oh, that's stupid. And then Quillen's like, well, where do you live? Like Happy Valley? And he's like, yeah, it's like Good View Drive or whatever it is. Or like Good View something. Mm-hmm. That Quillen's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's not much better. <laughs> it's just a different direction. Yeah. I think they're talking about like the good neighborhoods always sound so crazy and like terrible and then the bad neighborhoods are like the kind of like rundown neighborhoods are like happy valley and like right yeah right oh yeah no that's a really good point so when they get there david like is the one that comes out to meet them and it, like starts to show them around and cooler like wait where are the actual owners of this house and david like is like well they're kind of, you know, he puts it in like a gentle term, but basically they're kind of shut-ins. And um, he kind of says like, well, I don't really come out for much. Um, but once we start talking about Jade after we like photog- photograph everything and like talk about everything else, they'll probably come out. Or at least um, Mr. Tate will come out probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mrs. And- Tate is unwell, I think is the the term he used. Oh, right, which, like, in this time frame could mean literally anything. Um, So, yeah, so they do go all around. Um, The uh, One of the people that works for the Tates, um, this, like, young-ish boy um, who they call a houseboy, um, which I don't know that I love that term, but I don't know that it's actually offensive in any way. Yeah, I don't know. His name is Paolo. That is true. And Paolo does seem very interested in helping Odd. So Odd kind of from the beginning is like, hey, can you help me like bring in all of my equipment? And he seems so interested in it that Odd is like, oh, do you want to help like the rest of the day? And so the the kid's like really kind of eager to help out. And they, they do make a point. She does a really good job of setting this up too, that like he is just so helpful and Odd of anything that Odd speaks positively of. It's only Paolo um, mm-hmm. so far. And so he even says, like, three different times in the way that, like, you know, people fixate on, like, fixate on one thing and then, like, say it 17 times. He says, like, a bunch of different times how he slipped Paolo a couple bucks because he was so helpful. Yeah, he's like, good kid, good kid. Yeah, yeah, they kept, right, exactly. They keep being like, yeah, what a good kid, what a good kid. They even bring it up at the press club later when they go for drinks. Yeah. Well, drinks and tomato juice, which is Quillerin's drink of choice. Yes. So yeah, Paulo helped Odd. They photograph pretty much everything. They kind of go through all the different rooms that David like helped them set up, and he describes the different, you know, interior design styles and the different patterns and the different things like the pieces that he brought in, pieces that were already part of the family, so they had to use them. And then once they get into like the the room that is displaying all of the jade, uh, they have to get a key to like unlock some of the the jades so that they can like take photos through the without the glass reflecting yeah it kind of sounds like the there's jade like kind of all over the place but that you know the pieces that he collects that are like decorative are or like fancy or like carved are like locked behind the case yeah that's true yeah because like there was there was like white jade like all integrated into the like one of the rooms and then the green jade was in another room and so it it does sound like there's just like a shit ton of jade everywhere yeah that's true and he does after they photograph the like 
right like teapots and white jade and green jade he even starts pulling out a desk drawer that he has like all these little jade pieces and Quillerin's like oh you don't need to take all those out like we are you know taking pictures of <laughs> we them. don't care about those yeah like <laughs> we don't care about your little like weird pieces of jade but then yeah um, they were like jade tools it was like a jade hammer and like a jade like I don't know like wrench or like I can't <laughs> no I kind of picture that no I think they were like arrowheads I think they were like old like almost like ancient type like yeah, like maybe, maybe things that I think, were oh, I, think he, I think there was an axe head there was definitely like a the head of something that I was like why really yeah I can, could be wrong I don't have the book <laughs> on me I do have the book yeah. on me I'm just not gonna open it <laughs> Julia's thesis statement (laughs) um no I think you might be right yeah I know you might be right I think I I just was kind of picturing little little pebbles because uh Mr. Tate does end up giving Quiller in a little keepsake which is just like a little like pebble of Jane basically that I kind of pictured like a worry stone, kind of like a flat, just like disc of jade. Yeah. Like a little yeah. like button, button yeah. sized disc of jade. He was like, it's for luck just to get in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. The next thing that happens is that, so as they're leaving, they kind of have, you know, feel like they photographed everything. And Quilleran's like to David says, is there anything else I should photograph? And he says, well, there is one more room that I did that it's really impressive Mrs. Tate's room but I'm not sure if they're gonna let us you know go in there and he kind of looks over at Mr. Tate and he's like well let's maybe let's see let's see so I think they send the houseboy up they I think no Miss. I think Mr. Tate goes himself to Uh ask his wife and he comes back and he's like okay but quickly (laughs) right you can do it but real fast yeah she's agreeable for now yeah basically is the impression that i got yeah so so they go in and we meet someone who i think is important yeah it's so interesting so so yeah we walk into this scene of this like elaborate room that's clearly like just hers she has like a bedroom and a sitting room and a cat and a cat. So first of all, they they walk in and unwell means, I guess, wheelchair bound, but also like she seems a little off. Yeah, she seems like, maybe a little senile. I can't tell if she's that old. Yeah, right. I know. They don't really give an age. Also, I found I found the sentence of it's primitive tools made of jade axe heads chisels and harpoons oh harpoons weird yeah i know i was like a little bit shocked by that when i read it a second time i was not thinking of anything that big i was picturing like a drawer full of like um like archaeologist tools well i wonder if it means like a harpoon head like the little piece at the end maybe so you did decide to open your book to prove me wrong. <laughs> yeah, I did. But I think we were both wrong. So it didn't really work. <laughs> I mean, isn't that just the thesis statement of this entire podcast? <laughs> but we're both wrong. But we're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's kind of a funny scene. Like this, you know, elaborate room, this woman who like is kind of confusing and maybe confused herself, but also mm-hmm. a cat 
That yeah, she has, like, a, a lap pillow with, like, a tiny little ball of cat on it. Yeah, and we do, we get two names for her, but neither uh-huh. of them is Yum Yum. No, but one of them is you, which means jade in a dialect of Chinese. Yes. Which, which is pretty close to Yum Yum. That's it's just true. missing an M and the second word. <laughs> and the whole second part of it. <laughs> yes, but that is true. We, I mean, the way that it, it felt very elaborate, the introduction. So it feels like this is probably Yum Yum. Yeah. Especially because of something that happens in, like, one chapter. <laughs> yes. But also especially because it's a Siamese cat. So it's not, we're not just like, it's a cat. It's like, that's a Siamese cat. That's sure. true. That's true. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely Yum Yum. Yeah. Um so, I mean, we don't we don't know. It hasn't been confirmed, but yes, we think it is most definitely Yum Yum. We think we've met Yum Yum, and we also yeah. get the clue too that she's a she's a lab cat. She's a lab cat, so she's sitting she's a in a lab. lab. Yeah, but we also kind of get the like sad picture that maybe she's not treated that well because she seems very frightened the entire time. Oh, I know. That was so sad. Yeah, that was the saddest part that she was like, because I think even Quillerin says like, oh, that cat seems really nervous. And yeah. I don't think anyone really responds to him. Yeah, and everyone's like, we don't care because it's a cat. And he's like, but I care because I'm also a cat. Because <laughs> yeah, I am <laughs> A cat in human form. He pulls off his human <laughs> face mask. <laughs> um, well, and to be fair, too, everyone else is kind of fighting their own separate battles in that room while mm-hmm. Quillerin has zeroed in on the potentially young Yum Yum. Odd Bunsen has started setting up all of his like equipment, and Mrs. Tate is like, what are you doing? I need this photograph. I need that photograph. I also need you in this photo. Not you. The cat you. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Didn't realize what kind of problems that was going to cause. Yeah. She also, she was the one who had a second name for Yum Yum that I can't remember what it was. It definitely wasn't Felicia, but it was like kind of close to Felicia. Yeah. It was something weird. Like, and like, actually, you know what? Here, I'll look it up. Since yeah. I'm like, no, I'm on this page. Never mind. I found it. Oh, you did? Freya. Freya. That's not close to Felicia. No. <laughs> but it is also kind of like Scandinavian sounding, which she ends up being Swiss, Mrs. Tate. Yeah. So I wonder I if that's. I do like the name. Been. I like the name Freya. Yeah. It also feels like that's like a name in mythology, maybe. Like, is that the name mm-hmm. of like a wolf in Greek mythology or something? Maybe. That sounds like it could be right. I don't know right? Greek mythology very well. Sorry, Mr. Kreppage. Yeah, oh, Mr. Crappage, what a good teacher. We say as we say that we didn't, like, absorb anything. (laughs) What a great teacher. I don't remember anything from his class, but he was wonderful. (laughs) The best. Yeah, I forgot we both had him. Oh, he was great. Because Um, we both weirdly took Latin for no reason at all. (laughs) Yeah, that really, like, I did not need to. I just needed in my heart to, apparently didn't Um, learn anything (laughs) no 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 but I did I okay this has nothing to do with the book but it has everything to do with Mr. (laughs) Crabbage I mean yes lay it on us um so I did go to Italy and I did visit Pompeii which is like what most of his class was on and I do remember I like specifically looked for that dog mosaic because of that class (laughs) I'm sure he was really proud did you ever get to tell him no because I 
had Mr. Krebich as a teacher like 12 years ago and I did this last January. <laughs> oh, right. That was recent. Well, RIP Mr. Kreppage's, uh satisfaction and his teaching yeah. <laughs> abilities. I've... I I also don't know if he's teaching anymore. I feel like he maybe has retired. Yeah, I feel like he probably would have retired by now. Yeah, I mean, we had him like 10 years ago, so that's, yeah. that's like retirement age, 10 years. That's how our teachers teach, right? <laughs> I had him over 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. He also wasn't that old. He probably could still be teaching. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, anyway, well, this to has put an end to, to Crepage Corner. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Mrs. Tate insists that Yum Yum our potential yum yum be in the photos that odd bunsen is taking and he gives her all the reasons that she can't and she yeah, insists like absolutely not i'm not taking a picture of your cat and she's like Damn, I my cat. yeah yeah and also odd does have a lot of like actual reasons that he can't like it's a real old-timey setup like it's a like mm-hmm. has like a time delay so that he can like do the wide focus thing and he's like you know distance wise she'd either be like tiny in the frame you wouldn't even be able to see her or she'd have to be really up close and if she moves at all like it's gonna fuck up the whole picture and she's like i don't care about your technicalities just make it happen and it's like (laughs) yeah and he's like "Mm, no so i don't know that they even get pictures in there because don't they kind of retreat from the room as she like has a little bit of a break unclear but they might have gotten, like, one. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, it doesn't necessarily matter. Because then we kind of fast forward a little bit to the magazine is printed. And it does go mm-hmm. out in a timely fashion. And then is the next thing, like, the big reveal? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because that was that was kind of it. And then, like, they... So the everything went super smoothly when it went to print which arch was like this is a bad sign like things shouldn't go this smoothly but like everything went like to plan everything was printed great no one like pulled their ads everyone loved it like it was well received and and then i think the the big reveal hits the fan the shit hits the fan arch was right we should listen to him we should always listen to arch always listen to that cranky friend of yours no don't do that i don't know if that's true or not um but arch was right in this one circumstance because so the magazine goes out one night and then the next day the day after it's like really soon after within like 24 or 48 hours yeah it's within like the first couple of days the house gets hit oh my god the house gets hit by thieves and uh, also, yeah, simultaneously, though, Mrs. Tate also turns oh, up dead. Yeah, she dies of what they're, it's not murder, they're, she wasn't murdered by the jewel thieves, she just, like, had a heart attack. That we but, know of. Right, exactly, that's, like, the official story, we actually don't really know what happened, I'm assuming it's going to be, like, a little bit more mysterious than that, but so far that's what we've heard in this section. right. And, like, so everything kind of immediately tailspins into, like, oh, my God. Especially because, so the house has been robbed and all of their jade has been cleared out. They're, like, you know, mm-hmm. prized, possession, really expensive. At one point, uh, someone tells Quillerin that it might be worth over $750,000, all the jade. Which is 
quite a bit more in that time and I didn't realize the like I mean I guess I did kind of realize the difference in prices and everything but it really hit home when Quillerin described a um, cigar as expensive and also three cents. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that was that was jarring. Yeah, that was very jarring. Yes. It's like I don't think I've ever paid as little as three cents for anything in my life. Nope. 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 Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of puts everyone immediately into this place of like, oh, this magazine is now doomed because no one else is going to want to print. Like someone even says to when they go into the press club for drinks, um, someone is even like, oh, kind of riling Quiller in and is like, what are you guys printing? Like a how to to rob someone, which I mean, in some ways it's true. They took pictures of like everything in the house and like showed exactly where the, the cases are. But Quillerin does also think through everything and is like if this was actually because of us like there just wouldn't have been time for that because this person would have like read the article had to have been within 24 hours right that they read the article thought up the idea to to rob them put it into action go to the place rob them in like apparently it's like a lot the jade is like very fragile like even the guy when he pulls out this like teapot is like, you should describe this as rose petal thin. And it's like, you know, you have to like package all of that really specifically and make make off with it like in that same night. So in the press club, Quillerin and I think Odd or Arch are talking to, they stop Kendall Lodge or Lodge Kendall. I'm not sure. Both of his names sound interchangeable to me. <laughs> But he is, so he's, we've heard of him before. He is the uh, crime reporter for the Flexion that I'm sure Quillerin is like, I want your job. Um, But so they stop him and are kind of talking to him for a little bit. And he, because he wrote a piece about, so that, oh, that was the other thing is that the Morning Rampage wrote about the robbery. And then also the Daily Flexion wrote about the robbery. But obviously the Morning Rampage made it really connected to, the Daily Fluxian's profile. Oh, yeah. And then when they read uh, Lodge Kendall's report on it, it was like two sentences long and was just like... Like hidden in a back page. Uh-huh. Like nothing, like no information really at all. And so Quillerin stops him and is like, that's super vague. Like, do you really believe that it was just like a normal like break-in or like, do you think it's connected to us? What do you think? And he's like, oh yeah, I mean, the police think it's totally like uh, yeah, what did it? Oh, that's when it comes out that they think that um, it turns out the police think that Paolo was that his name? Paolo. Paolo. They think Paolo did it, and Quillerin and Odd uh, are obviously like, uh, no, like he would not have done that. He's our best friend. <laughs> we love him. <laughs> we gave him a few dollars. Yeah, Odd like spouts off the whole thing again, and they both are like, "No, he doesn't seem like that kind of person at all." And they're like, "Well," or um, Kendall Lodge is like, "Well, then why did he disappear right after the robbery?" And we think it's an inside job because, you know, and then he kind of spouts back to Quiller in his own theory, which is interesting um, because he's like, "Well, it couldn't have been from the the newspaper or the magazine because it, the timeline would have been too." truncated and Quillerin's like yeah I know but also it it wasn't Paolo like you gotta look Mm -hmm. somewhere else so yeah that was interesting we get a little 
few little clue clues there. And then what else is the next thing? The uh, the party? Yeah, I think the last thing is the cocktail party. The cocktail party. Yeah, Quillaren gets invited to a fancy cocktail party. Yeah, it's really funny because it shifts so fast from like murder and sad and the magazine's doomed to like, yeah, I'll go to a cocktail party and like happy and like upbeat and Yeah, so one of the um the things of note, I guess, is that when he talked to I already forgot his name, the <laughs> designer. Ah ha ha, David Like. David Like, yeah. Um, when he talked to David Like about it, he was just like, Oh yes, it happens, like too bad and like oh, very right. wasn't broken up about it no he was super casual even about mrs tate's death he was like she was miserable everyone was yeah. miserable with her around she's better off <laughs> yeah. was like, whoa she, dude. was mean anyway no one liked her yeah like very catty yeah yeah very catty yeah yeah so now we're at a party with designers who are also equally as nonchalant about everything and don't yeah. seem to care about the robbery at all. Right, yeah. So it's at um, David Likes' apartment in the Villa Veranda apartment buildings. Yes. Which sort of reminded me a lot of the um, the cat who lived high, that uh, the yeah, building there. Yeah, it reminded there. me of that too. Uh-huh. Yeah, just like a lot of like rich, notable people. Although this building is not falling apart. This building is apparently very no. new. Yeah, this building seems like new and upkept yeah and so Quillerin decides to go he seems excited to go just in general but he also is like oh I, I need to go for the contacts um to like look up you know if the magazine is going to go forward I need like another house to profile and other people and things like that so he goes for that reason too yeah so while he's there he meets like he meets a few people but I think only that one guy is actually notable yeah which do you know who do you remember who he is nope <laughs> i didn't think so oh my god so that name so they go to the party and like there's just a few little a few little blips of notable things mostly just that skywalker's wife like clearly is like and even says she's in love with david like and then yeah there's a few other i think they're not like super notable things just quiller and kind of bouncing around between people but then one of the biggest things is that david like mentions that this guy harold noyton is coming to the party and i was like that fucking name how do i know that name harold noyton is the one that fast forward to i forget exactly which book it is but he's the one who like runs away with granny goodwinter to like florida or somewhere crazy or tries to run away and then gets killed in that car accident wait really yeah he's the one that like because and they even set it up easy guy (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of because he's the one too they kind of start to set up the phone calls too because remember it was like a friend of Quillerin's that he also convinces like on a dime to come up and buy the newspaper so that they can remain independent and they have those phone calls that Quillerin was like oh my old friend Harold we're always calling each other at like random times and they fucking set that up in this because Harold so the big like kind of end climax of this chapter or of this section is that Quillerin needs a place to live. Harold Noyton is like, oh, no big deal. I'm going to Europe 
and you can stay in my apartment that they actually take a little little field trip to and Her- and um Quillerin is like I fucking love your apartment <laughs> and Harold Noyton's like oh stay here I'm gonna be in Europe and that's the whole dynamic that Quillerin like introduces Harold to us later as with like oh my friend we're always calling each other at weird times because he's always either in Europe or I'm always you know here or just up or like on deadline or whatever so he's the one that they always call at different times and this is the start of that oh that's so funny and you know he even like in this part of the book Harold even says like oh expect a couple calls from me I like I love phone calls yes oh my god that's right (laughs) I forgot about that he's like I'm a phone bug yeah it's like oh no I know your future it's weird (laughs) yeah good things do not happen for you Harold (laughs) no well and we also get too because um in this part he's still married but he's getting a divorce Mm -hmm. and so you kind of get a little bit of his like backstory that I don't think will really factor in but it's just kind of it factors in in the sense that um Harold's house so Harold lives in this apartment building but because he's getting a divorce he, he lives in the apartment building because he's getting a divorce and his like family house that he's lived in um, apparently was a house that uh, David like had also designed and um, so they both D- David like and Harold Noyton are like yes you should like profile our house but like here's the caveat like no one really lives there right now we're getting I'm getting divorced I live here but it is like a really impressive house and he's trying to sell it too so he kind of talks himself around and it's like actually if you profile it, it'll probably get a lot of publicity and like you know you'll obviously mention or hopefully mention that it's going to be sold so people might you know, I might get the word out a little bit more. But uh-huh. yeah, oh my God, I could not believe that was the Harold Noyton. Oh my gosh, you heard it first, guys. You heard it here. We not. This is not only Yum Yum's origin story. This is also Harold Noyton's origin story. <laughs> <laughs> Harold and Quillerin's friendship origin story. Yeah, exactly. The Harold and Quill story. Yeah. Not yeah. quite as interesting as a cat friendship story, but... No, but he is... I mean, that does make total sense because he is, like, super agreeable with this apartment thing and it kind of fits into the character that we meet in the other book where he's just like, yep, yes to everything. Like, this is great. I'll right. agree to whatever because in this book, uh, David Like is like, uh, can we um, use your apartment or, like, can Cooler move into your apartment? He's like, yep, absolutely. And Cooler's like, okay, for how much, though? Because, like, I can't pay a lot. And he's like, nope, for free. Don't worry about it. Yeah, he, like, literally <laughs> says, "What? Well, why would I take your money? I don't really need it. And, like, you clearly do. Why would I take it? It's yeah. like, oh, all right. I mean, that's generous. All right. Yeah, no, no, it's, you're a weirdo. But, you know, pretty nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice guy that we know how you die. <laughs> yeah. Like, super weird way. Oh, uh, yeah. Very strange. Um, oh, my God. Do you know what I just fucking did again? It For- fucking wasn't Harold Noyton that died. Who Who was it? I did this in the in that same book, too. Oh, my God. I'm so dumb. It was the XYZ guy that she was running away with that died. Wasn't it? I don't remember (laughs) oh my god I don't remember either now I feel so dumb yeah I remember us having this argument because I thought it was one guy and you thought it was the other guy and I can't remember who it actually was (laughs) oh my god I even forgot that argument we clearly just like had the argument and then like I went back to my own camp and was like well my brain like encased it I'm like I'm just gonna believe what I'm gonna believe (laughs) no yeah I can't remember who it was oh my god well it would make more sense if it was the XYZ guy because that would be 
you know two bad people in a car accident together because Harold seems like a pretty solid guy. I don't know why Lillian Jackson Brown would kill him off. Right, it does. But then I also feel like now I'm remembering back to this argument and I feel like I also remember because I feel like we went to the point like you didn't you convince me that I was the XYZ guy and then we went back to that conversation in the because Quillerin went to uh, Andrew Brody. He went to the only the chief of police, the only policeman in Moose County. And uh, (laughs) they had like a whole conversation about it. And I remember reading back through it like while we were recording and then ended up being that it was him and that it was just like a weird casual conversation and I was like wait Quiller is kind of being Quiller heartless friend died yeah your friend just died like what's happening and then they were talking about like the play yeah now I don't remember oh my god hmm. well yeah I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna go back and check I don't even remember what book that was in <laughs> I know I don't either well Harold, it is at least the same Harold. I mean, that is Harold Noyton, who is of the phone calls later and the publishing, buying the, he technically bought the, oh my God, it was him that died. God damn it. We're talking in this, these circles that like everyone's like, <laughs> shut the hell up. It was him. Cause remember we had a whole conversation then about how, what would have happened to the newspaper because he had just bought it. And then we were like, wait, oh. then how did Junior end up with it? Cause Junior ends up sort of owning it again and then they have arch come in and arch like runs it and junior's the reporter but we we're like how would he if harold noyton just bought it like what was the chain of like did he just immediately put it in his will that it would go back to junior if yeah i guess i mean i don't think we had an answer i'm just saying i think that's how i remember that it was harold that died no okay yeah that makes sense oh god okay well whether or not this is a character <laughs> that we see later oh sorry our memories are so terrible but that is the one of the last things so one of the last things quillerin comes um comes home to coco and is like we're moving coco and that's kind of the end of that no he doesn't even make it home he gets the doggy bag from the japanese guy oh that's right that was so yes that was very sweet he does get a little doggy bag <laughs> i think i accidentally read the first sentence of chapter six so i think that's where oh. i'm okay yeah fair no at the end of chapter five it was it was really funny because there was a caterer at this uh fancy party and quillerin kept going back for like more and more plates and he kept like making eye contact with the caterer and giving him like the thumbs up like yeah. like food and this guy <laughs> would like you know quillerin would be having a conversation and this guy would like sneakily come up and like switch quillerin's empty plate out with a full one yeah <laughs> just like keep a good him man <laughs> and at the very end he comes up to quillerin and is like you have a dog and quillerin's like no and he's like take this home anyway your dog's hungry <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like something weirdly intuitive that he somehow knew because quillerin does go he's like no but he's like yeah just take all these leftovers <laughs> yeah i don't care what you have at home just take this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it was like a wink wink of like yeah you have a dog wink wink slash like you've been you ate like literally four plates of my food maybe you should just take this food that you clearly are obsessed with (laughs) right uh but yeah I think that's is that it I think that's it I think that's it I think we made it to the end we made it guys thanks for hanging in there through all of our circular nonsense of not knowing what happens in the future (laughs) of books that we've already read Quillerin's future our past yeah oh yeah um well yeah thanks for listening guys we'll have um part two for you next time and 
in the meantime you can find us on social media we're on paranormal captivity pod on instagram and paranormal pod on twitter we're on patreon you can support us there we're so so grateful for everyone who does that thank you so much you can um, search paranormal captivity and we'll pop up on patreon we have a goodreads book club which i need to i will do that today um yeah we're really excited about that and there's a facebook fan page if you want to go throw some kitty pots around the old facebook's um, we're really grateful for that too. So thanks guys. And we'll see you next time. Yes. Join us for the riveting next segment of the cat who ate Danish modern. Where yum yum came from. <gasps> yum yum's origin story. Yay. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.